Hey everybody, welcome back to the Combat Chain. Pat Shaw here with Adam Philipchuk as always, uh, bringing you a new episode of the pod. Adam, how are we doing this uh, this fine Monday evening? Hey Pat, we're doing great. We're, uh, we're on the eve of traveling to... traveling for uh, Pro Tour Lee. Have you, have you packed your bags? Have you... Uh, what's what's left to do? <laughs> we've got we've got some bags to pack still. Uh, our our flights got changed last minute here. Uh, our my I think I was must have been on the same flight as Flake. Um, Flake I saw posted on Twitter about it uh, that his flight got canceled as well. Um, so uh, we're traveling much later tomorrow than we initially anticipated. So we've bought some time so today i can kind of it's nice i can focus on recording the episode tonight focus on a couple things tonight we made sure our deck was in order today um and then tomorrow morning we can kind of snap pack some clothing and get the the last couple things in order to get ready to go Excellent, excellent. Well, it's good that you're getting there early enough where you've got some lead time, anyways. So, right. So, no matter what kind of changes happen in the next couple of days, uh, they they shouldn't affect you too greatly by time round one starts. Yeah, we've got some wiggle room, so that's good at least. Excellent, excellent. Um, has your weekend been mostly focused on the travel? You were able to get any games in? It's actually been probably focused more on testing than it should be. I've been trying mm-hmm. to jam a lot of games and um, just just trying to make sure the deck feels good, make sure um, we know our lines and trying to just figure that la- those last minute slots out. Um, I think I've got it all locked in, but um, I'm trying to uh, always be mindful of is there anything else that could could or should be considered yep uh speaking of things uh that could be considered here we had a calling uh happen this weekend in singapore where the winner was none other than prism sculptor of light getting her living legend points just kidding it is dash Dash Inventor Extraordinaire uh, won The Calling Singapore. Uh, Jason Zhang, to be specific, uh, got first place in Calling Singapore with the Aggro Boost Dash, which, uh, you know, if I were if I were putting money on who would win The Calling, uh, <laughs> I would not have put it on Dash. What, uh, what say you? Dash definitely wasn't on my list either. Uh, definitely a dark horse. Uh, makes sense though. Like Dash, in my opinion, has been a viable uh, nemesis in Blitz for the last while. The the Teclo Pounder strategy is very potent, and this this CC counterpart does exactly the same thing. It just slams down 
Teclo pounders and tries to just jam as much damage as possible. Uh, you know, we see that with uh, Talishar. You know, it's looking to end the game within three turns. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, I played into this deck already and had uh, one turn it deal 27 damage to me off of double Teclo pounder, and uh, they finished everything off with a maximum velocity. So... This deck Oof. is Oof. finishing with the max V, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was definitely spicy. It was it. one of those you things where I was like, it, it, it kind of happened, and I was like, did that? No. And you know, is this like there was a moment yeah, of shock? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's um, it's definitely a viable threat going into Pro Tour. Um, do I think it's as good as people are worried it is? I don't know. Um, a, it's fatigable. Um, any, it is. It's very much. Yep. Any deck that is semi able to fatigue and anybody who knows what's up anybody who's paying attention and goes oh this is like most decks can fatigue a boost dash um because it happens within a couple turns like it's not a a crazy like an all-out boost dash it's not an all-out like it doesn't go all these long turns like it's it's manageable within Oh, it's been a while. So, well, I, I, with that being said, I've never actually done this in CC because we've never seen boost all out boost dash be in this. Um, well, anytime recently, uh, but yeah, yeah. No, this this was like the first major appearance, really, of 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 this kind of uh, this deck build in uh, in classic constructed. Um, I was doing a little digging. Uh, after uh after the calling results and there uh the winner jason apparently did know uh some of the meta coming in there and so dash boost dash was a was a very much a meta call um to that end let's run down quickly the top eight here uh in order from first to eighth we had uh, Jason Zhang on Dash Inventor Extraordinaire. We had Chan Nova, Chan Nova Elemental, lovely name, on Briar Warden of Thorns. Uh, CYK Lionel on Viscerai Runeblood. Alan Lau, Briar Warden of uh, Warden of Thorns. Pei Tung Liao on Briar. Uh, Ivan Tiao on Phi, Rising Rebellion. Uh, Pankage, oh, I'm going to butcher this one. Pankage Baojuani on Icelander Stormbind and Chi Xing Sang on Briar Warden of Thorns. Oh, I was just going to say, I think you did a phenomenal job there. I don't have the names right. like right in front of me, but from here it sounded good. You did it confidently. I appreciate it. Let's see if they're right. <laughs> uh, but we do have, uh, so we got one dash. We have one, two, three, four Briars, one Viscerai, a Phi, and an Icelander showing up in the top eight. Uh, we do have a meta breakdown uh, to go with that. Uh, the most represented hero at the Calling Singapore, Viscerai Runeblood at 42. Viscerai is being played. Uh, second most is Phi Rising Rebellion at 29, uh, followed by Briar and Prism, both tied at 27 apiece. 
and then a, a steep drop off afterwards. Bra- uh, Bravo Showstopper at 19, Lexi Livewire 16, Dorinthia Iron Song 14, Dash 12, Icelander 11, Reinar 10, Katsu 10, uh, Dromai 9, Kano 7, Oldham's 4, Lavaya 3, Azalea 2, Sir Bolton also 2, tied for last with Azalea. Um, so we do see that Viscerai, Phi, Briar, uh, and Prism made up a huge chunk of the meta uh, coming in there. Very aggressive, uh, skewed, um, which I believe led uh, Jason to his pick. And uh, and correct, right? Uh, looked like he was able to dodge the fatigue matchups. He did well in draft and uh, gets has a calling win to, to show for it. Did he dodge the fatigue matchups, or were there just nobody playing fatigue? Ah, uh, well, I mean, there were. Um, there was nineteen four. There's twenty three. Uh, twenty three guardians there. Uh, I don't know his round for round uh, lineup, what? but and as you said, like most others, a lot of the decks are fatigable, right? So, or can go to fatigue. Prism can probably. And likely fatigue uh, dash pretty easily too if it's configured right. Oh, for sure. Um, I, I I do wonder if I do wonder if him going with this all out because this was the first time we saw uh, you know Talishar dash in CC, and uh-huh. I, I wonder if he got the element to surprise and some decks thought they could race him in certain situations and he. Sure knew what he was doing and was able to outplay that. Yep. Um, I do agree that like his strategy is beatable um, a lot of different ways. Uh, like, I mean, Viscerai alone can outrace it if the Viscerai knows what they're doing and has the right draws. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. The one thing I will say about this, this, this dash this particular spice of dash is uh it's fairly consistent mm-hmm. yes and if it you know if you can get you know well i mean you start with the first tecla pounder and then if you can get you know a second tecla pounder down early it's not hard to deal like even 15 damage off of a two card hand yeah, definitely. Especially if you have like if you have one of those those hands where you have a throttle and you can break Goliath Gauntlet and start with uh uh you get the plus six off of uh throttle boost go again. Uh it's a it's a tough way to start start a turn for your opponent. Oh, for sure. And they have to respect it when the pounders are out, they do have to respect a two and three card hand. Uh, Dash has has the ability to block and uh, and still like still deal uh, just a, a stupid amount of damage. Yeah, exactly. So like it's you know if you can if you have a ton of on hits and you're just constantly drawing blocks, you know you might be able to draw enough blocks to slow it down, but. If you're just threatening maybe one on hit per turn and, you know, just like the average. Yeah, I get you. If you're just, you know, if you're just coming in with, you know, good old fashioned fair flesh and blood, uh, 
then it can definitely just hold it. It can hold its own and clap back super hard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but speaking of uh, spicy stuff with a ton of on hits, uh, outside of the uh, rune blades, which I think we all know at this point are pretty good, uh, we have a, a notable Phi Rising Rebellion list uh, that has been taking the scene by storm ever since it showed up as uh, as listed on the top eight. I do not believe it was actually shown any, any time during the stream. Um, but what makes this uh, such a notable list, uh, I think the thing that sticks out the most is the nine even bigger than that that are being run in the main board for this list uh, by Ivan Tiao. Yeah, and I I had the I, I got a chance to run a few rounds on this list already, and the amount of EBTTs in the list it, it's noticeable, but it's kind of like it's it's nice. You're pretty much every turn you're able to go Kodachi, EBTT, opt whatever, do your thing, and then go from there. Draw a card like it has a lot of gas. It does. There's there's a lot of gas. There's a lot of on hits. Uh, there's on hit and draconic on hits. You have engulfing flame wave, mounting anger, uh, rising resentment, soaring strike, as well as uh, classic snatches, um, and uh, also the new take the tempos. Like, there is a ton of things to do uh, on the deck here, and um, and it's running Kadachis and not searing Emberblade. So a lot of you have zero cost blue pitches. You have some very unconventional uh, cards in the blue slot that you might not expect to see, but um, some of the uh, some of the glue that holds this deck together and kind of methods to the madness. You have its blues, for instance, are uh, Soul Beach Strike, Blue Fine Center, Blue Snatch. What? Who runs Blue Snatch outside of Benji? Uh, blue Fluster Fist and Winds of Eternity. Now, Winds of Eternity with no hundred wins, uh, find center without you know without the combo pieces here. Uh, at first glance, um, it it brought a lot of questions about like, okay, why aren't you just running a draconic three block? Why aren't you just you know why aren't you just this? Why aren't you just that? But uh, running the nine even bigger than that, so you'll know that all you'll note that all those blues are two attacks, so you cannot miss if you reveal one on an even bigger than that, if you hit with Kadachi for one. In between the not being able to miss on the EBTTs and on top of that, they're they're all three blocks. They're all, I, I believe they're all three blocks. Yes, and... Except for Snatch. Yep, they're all right, three. Right, except for Snatch. Um, yeah, the, the Draconic Ninja cards end up being one attacks that block for two and just don't fit very well. Uh, in there some some people were asking like why not put lava vein loyalty in there um but as something we might even touch on uh later in this episode it just doesn't um it just doesn't jive here this is really about good stuff being aggressive and getting on hits and drawing cards so everything from the ancestral empowerments to even bigger than that triggering mask momentum uh all of these things are Pretty powerful effects, and uh, and yeah, I, I mean, we, I, I definitely picked up the deck myself and and ran it through its paces a few times, and I am thoroughly impressed with it. Uh, so I've I just before we recorded finished putting the sleeves on uh, to play it in paper. 
So uh, very, very enticing and very uh, a fascinating deck coming out of there. And of course, uh, on the seventh place Icelander deck, uh, Icelander's making uh, seems to be making her her way up up the rankings here in both uh, CC and Blitz. She's turned into the big bad in the forty card format, uh, but she is showing up pretty strong here uh, in the calling, and in fact. Uh, won the battle hardened on the following day Sunday in Singapore. Uh, Icelander by uh, piloted by uh, got seventh place by with Pankaj Baujwani and got first place in the battle hardened uh, piloted by uh, Chanon Pudri uh, getting first place on Icelander. But yeah, it's 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 interesting to see. I think Icelander has been kind of. I think at least in CC kind of maybe thought less of uh, maybe kind of B B ish tier. Uh, so to see her uh, make an appearance in a top eight and, uh, and obviously win uh, a constructed tournament uh, speaks to kind of her evolution here. Yeah. And I think Icelander kind of suffered from the same thing Kano did where people thought Kano to be unplayable in CC and, then he, though needing the right tools, crept his way into CC until a point where he took the meta by storm when no one expected it. Icelander, I think, is poised to do the same thing. You know, her her ability makes her really strong in Blitz, and we've seen her dominate Blitz already. But yeah, so far in CC, I think people have been kind of shrugging her off, I guess. And uh-huh. Uh-huh. I I definitely have felt that she's a puzzle to be solved and there's definitely something there. Uh, I think the right... And I, I think it just comes down to like finding the right combination of tools in the toolbox for whatever you need to do to, to win the match. And we're starting to see that people are, are figuring that out now. Um, yep. Is it in time for it to take pro tour by storm it's going to be tough to say i do we do we maybe see more people try to bring like the the meta share now of icelander at pro tour certainly could be a little higher than it was than it would have uh-huh. been prior to uh singapore but do i my gut tells me Icelander doesn't doesn't like storm the meta and take over top eight or anything like that. I agree. I do think the uh, if Fi wasn't already the second most represented deck, I do think that its appearance in the top eight would be the catalyst for making it so. But I do predict a very similar breakdown in heroes as we're seeing in Pro Tour. Maybe a couple more niche meta calls, given the kind of a smaller pool. Um, I know as of like a couple weeks ago, there was a lot of talk of Bravo Showstopper and Oldham, uh, Grandfather of Eternity being kind of uh, picks to disrupt the aggressive meta. Uh, and as we see in the, the thing that is missing in the top eight, in both the... Uh, the calling and the battle hardened. So after Icelander won uh, first place in the battle hardened, second goes to Oldham, 
uh, Grandfather of Eternity. Third is Briar. Fourth is Lexi. Fifth is Katsu. Uh, and then sixth through eighth is Briar. Briar followed by Viscerai in the top eight. No prisms. And that doesn't necessarily mean that prism was... Maybe it was a force and constructed, but it, one of the caveats of these mixed formats is perhaps the prism players got a little uh, on the wrong side of the draft portion, and thus maybe their CC records were very good and had potential, and maybe there was a constructed prism deck out there that could beat everybody, but unfortunately because of potentially draft results, couldn't quite make it to the top eight there. Or maybe also now that Starvo's out of the meta, we're seeing a deck that that Prism could jive with um, get pushed out for more aggro decks that are, I I do think to some extent, making it harder for Prism. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think this meta is, is as favorable for Prism as it was when we had Starvo running rampant in reality. No, I think you're right. I think it is as much as, you know, as close as Prism is to Living Legend. And we still have, uh, you know, we have Pro Tour Lil that will have a calling and a battle hardened. Um, so there is still, there's still time here. But there's a very real possibility that Prism is around after the Pro Tour because she has not got the Living Legend points. This is just not the meta for her. I'm starting to feel that way. I think we're going to see actually, and if that's the case, we might see Prism be around a little bit longer than people want her to be around. Yeah, there's definitely been like a buildup in the drama of getting Prism to 1,000 points. And I think that the tension of drama is starting to pour into a bit of frustration now that it's not not happening. I know I'm certainly pointing fingers at the people that claim to have took took the dive in the top in the top match of a ProQuest or a RTN for the purposes of saving her. Now it's coming back to to their plans are have come to fruition and now I'm just scolding those people. Just let her die. <laughs> I mean she she does do some important gatekeeping. That is the reality. Uh, she mm-hmm. keeps the guardians at bay, and we don't want guardian winter. Let's be honest. It is right. I think that's that's the fear, right? Once once she's gone, it's going to be spinals and pummels all over the place. A couple frostbites here and there, and a crippling uh, sprinkled on everything else, disrupting all of our. Are two blocky aggressive cards. Yeah, exactly. So I guess the um, devil we know versus the devil we don't, right? So what does what do you think Prism needs to do in order to adapt and uh and and become a top deck here? Is is there something that she can do? Ooh, that's I mean and I'm, I'm gonna say no offense to the Prism waifus that are like what do you mean? She's not a top deck. She's always going to be S tier until she's gone. I don't think she's S tier right now is the reality. She is like, mm-hmm. she's right below it. Like she's still a strong deck. Don't get me wrong. She's just not 
like it's not so much that she's not there anymore it's that the conditions moved away of what works what what's favorable for her like uh-huh. the meta right now is an aggro show like no other like that's the reality you know we've got fi we've got viscerai um and even like we've got things like what people are calling aggro bravo which Agro Bravo is really more of a a tempo mid range Bravo, but still it's mid. Just it's putting putting the gear into third and being like, oh boy, howdy, we're really moving now. We're going almost to the speed limit. This is great. <laughs> Ooh, I can feel the wind in my hair. That is my that's that's Bravo as an old old person driving the highway on the in the middle lane, but at the speed limit. So it's super frustrating to be behind him, but he's like, "Oh man, I'm really, I'm really putting the pedals to the metal here. This is exciting. I haven't seen this far up the odometer since since I was a teenager. This is, this is exciting stuff." Meanwhile, there's just horns just behind him. Go to the right lane. That is Bravo's aggressive form right there. <laughs> sometimes he can hit for 15 and that's big but the reality though is he's got the on hits and that's what gets him that's oh, what yeah. gets him there uh-huh. absolutely it, it's yep. these big on hit effects with like these big amounts of damage where you and and sometimes like the dominate the dominate on a stick on top of that like that is that that equips bravo like no other deck to just really drive damage and drive crippling punishing effects yeah and and bravo in particular is is very well suited to that uh right mid game early mid game crush effect disruption we're looking at cripplings right and multiple cripplings multiple spinals and now they've even teched like if fi and and such becomes pop is popular they've got crush the weeks red that they've been putting in uh and they still have all their defensive reactions on top of that um they do have a card i feel like it's been being slept on even though that like bravo has been running it uh for a while now but imposing visage is just a beast of a card and i don't think anyone really respects it until uh bravo goes first in a game and imposing visages uh fetches a showtime which goes into the battlefield without using an action point uh trigger showtime get a card such as crippling or pulverize and then either uh, you can follow that up, depending on what you got, with a swing from Anathos, just to clear things out, uh, or you can heave your Pulverize, if you so chose. But you're going to start your next turn, barring an Act of God, with a six-card hand, because you're going to Arsenal, draw four, and then Showtime's going to trigger on the beginning of your next turn and give you, uh, give you your sixth card. And that is... Like, that's not great for your opponent if... Uh, if I'm facing down Bravo in either format, right, and they do that, I'm I'm, uh, I'm lucky. I'm I'm looking to put my brown pants on. 
Yeah, yeah, like that. That's equivalent to your, you know, Viscerai going turn one and setting up with a bunch of, you know, what ten plus rune jants or something like that. Yeah, right, right. The 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 Mordred read the runes, Arsenal pass. Like, oh crap, oh crap. So yeah, no, Bravo's Bravo's got the. I always sweat when I play into Bravo because it's like. Do I go first and let them have the turn two dominate, or do I go second and let them have the turn one dominate? Like, there's oh, terrible turn. The first turn dominate is such a killer. I can't. I I, I will always right, if I'm facing a Bravo. My one of my things is I'll always go first, even even though I'm usually on on a tempo deck. But it is right. Bravo is so hard to play around. It, uh, Bravo and like Azalea, believe it or not, are very kind of similar to me as an aggressive deck where you really can't block around the not hitting, right? The the cards will hit, but you uh, you can avoid and play around the crush effect, but you can't you can't play around an eleven, right? Eleven pl- with the potential of plus four to fifteen. You're not you're not blocking fifteen, that's for sure. Well, and on top of that, like usually to you know stop something like a a, a dominated crippling crush, you're using your equipment. You only get one shot yeah. at that. Yep, you only get one good one. Uh, it's it's gotten so to the point at least uh, at least in my it started with Katsu. Uh, but coming into Fi now, uh, what I've done against Bravos is kind of desensitize myself a little bit to, you know, what is a quote unquote on hit, right? We always want to block the on hits, but sometimes you can't. And I look at something like a righteous cleansing that uh, is somewhat popular in Bravo lists. You know, is that a powerful effect? Yes. Uh, if the crush happens, can they take something great out of my deck? Yes. Are they going to take my win con out? No. So at the end of the day, righteous cleansing is for me more psychological damage than than in on hit. So not really worth blocking for me. But I look at crippling crush, right? If if you can't play around the if you can't play around the pummel and you know that something like that's coming, crippling to the face is usually actually probably the best option. Uh, leaving leaving two cards and taking your chances, especially if you have a card in Arsenal. And this is like specifically as a ninja that can't block for shit anyway. So like maybe you have, maybe you got the the defense reaction in Arsenal, uh, and you can you know you can stop things. But if you can't, you have you know you got something good in Arsenal. You got a you got two good you got four good cards. You can lose two, take eleven. It's actually when you say it like that, like eleven damage isn't that much when you're you know used to going 15 20 uh on the clap back this is this is just this is ninjas this is ninja talk just ninjas hey ninjas just take the crippling crush you're better off for it it's not worth blocking just don't it's not worth blocking it hurts too much to block crippling crush just take it take it to the face i call it a face tank blocking with the face i like it yep yep but you're 100 percent right like sometimes you look at your hand and you go well maybe a like if, if I block with it's dominated. If I block with one card, then I lose three cards, 
if I block yeah. with no cards, you know, this, yeah, like assuming mm-hmm. you can take the hit, if I block with no cards uh, and save two to at least do something, that mm-hmm. usually gets you in a better place. Because right. the reality is, is guardians have big on hits and big attacks, but mm-hmm. they don't usually have great follow-ups. Like the the right. world of the back-to-back cripplings or the back-to-back spinals or something like that are few and far between. Yep, for sure. Moving on, we do have... Uh, there was also a battle harden that took place in Baltimore. Um, and we'll, that was a blitz battle harden. And we'll quickly run through the top eight there. Uh, it was won by... Uh, Anthony Nguyen piloting Oldham. So congratulations uh, to him. Uh, second place, uh, friend of the friend of the channel, Jack Stoney. Uh, second place on Ira Crimson Hayes. So congratulations to Jack uh, taking that. Um, third place was Sherman Derenkamp on Dorinthia. Uh, fourth place was also Dorinthia. Uh, fifth, Briar. Sixth Phi, seventh Icelander, and eighth Chain. Um, what I like about this uh, in Blitz, Blitz top eight, uh, one, two, seven different heroes: Oldham, Ira, Dorinthia, Dorinthia, Briar, Phi, Icelander, Chain. Oldham, Ira, Icelander, Dorinthia. Not the most aggressive decks in the world. I'm assuming the the Iras that I have seen lately are more of a uh, they've gone back to kind of a control turtle shell uh, because of the prevalence of of uh, of the other ninja right uh, Phi Briar uh, and Chain are all very aggressive decks but that turtle shell that controlling way of doing things is 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 back in vogue and and is is showing that it can work again. Um, but a, a nice, varied, right, diverse, diverse meta in Blitz. That's what we like to see here. Yeah, it's really good to see. Um, I, 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 I should check to see. I wonder if I can. Uh, Oldham's got to be getting up there uh, in Blitz Living Legend points. Uh, as of the Battle Heart in Toronto, so we do have a month here. We have, we have all skirmish season that it has not been uh, tallied up as far as I'm aware of. At least on the main site here, as of July 25th, Oldham had 366 points. Seems we might be looking at... Uh, uh, on August 30th is the next scheduled band and suspended announcement that would also be a Living Legend announcement. We quite possibly could see Oldham coming, coming to a retirement here in Blitz. Uh, so that would be interesting to see... Uh, Second place is Ira at 286. Um, I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we have to worry about Ira getting Living Legend anytime soon. But uh, so next in line are after Oldham, Ira, Dorinthia, Kano, and then Kasai. Uh, rounding up the top five here of active, active heroes, and this is as of July 25th. So. Now, before I saw the July 25th, I was like, oh, 366. Now that I realize there's a whole skirmish season to tally here, it'll be very interesting to see how that works out. And I think that does it for the news. Um, So uh, coming off of that, uh, what we were talking about calling Singapore, uh, today's main topic, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about 
deck choice when coming into a big event. Uh, that's kind of what I want to hone in here uh, tonight. So uh, basically, I want to kind of break down how how one picks the, the 80 cards and decides to show up to, in this case, Pro Tour Lil, right? Or, you know, U.S. Nationals or, you know, insert calling Pro Tour event uh, coming up. So I think the first thing that uh, one has to look at here is is finding the deck that really kind of speaks to you, right? What what hero do you connect with? Uh, I think that forms the kind of the foundation of uh, successful piloting here. There's there's always going to be those who are you know uh, Bolton aficionados after so long, or you know uh, or these has been Levia players that just can't just keep trying to make her work. Uh, but you know, there, there does seem, there's a lot of viable heroes in flesh and blood, but you know, you got to find the one that kind of, that does kind of speak to you the most Adam in your, in your career so far, what, what heroes have, have spoken to you uh, the most that you've connected with? Uh, for me, it's been Ninja, Illusionist, and Runeblade. What about them uh, makes them uh, decks that you you want to you prefer to pilot over others? I think in like in a lot of ways, they they all share the same idea that they look to go wide and kind of overwhelm their opponent's hand, and they do it in different ways and you know um illusionist does it via board state um ninja does it via on hit triggers and rune blade via split damage and you know a mix of non-attack actions and attack actions to to generate advantages for the deck i've i have been since i started flesh and blood i i've started uh I, I've been very fond of uh, ninjas. First, I I fell in love with uh, with Leviah. Believe it or not, I was a Leviah main for about three months of my flesh and blood life, and I almost quit the game because of, because of it. It was terrible. But after I got over Leviah, I found Katsu, right? And and Katsu was just a just a revelation for me. Uh, not only could I get aggressive, but I could get tricky. Um, and I think I, I was able to kind of get some parallels. Uh, so I played some magic. I was pretty competitive. Eh, not successfully, but I like to be, I like to compete in magic gathering, uh, a lot. One of my favorite cards is a card called collected company. It's pretty, it's pretty popular, especially in, uh, in pioneer right now, but especially in its time and standard, uh, it was a great card. It, as an instant, you could look at the top, I think it's like six cards uh, of your deck, and you can pick two cards, uh, two creatures that were uh, converted mana cost three or less, and put them into play. Right, that was that was the trick. Right, look at the top, look in your deck, find two cards, slap them down without paying their paying their costs. Uh, usually, you would do that something at the end of your opponent's turn, so they came in ready to attack, and then. You know, you set yourself up for a big turn, but you got tricky and you were able to stay aggressive, and that that ended up being kind of like my niche. So basically, no matter where I've gone, I've I've looked for the <clears throat> the aggressive deck with a trick, 
uh, to kind of uh, top it off. And <clears throat> I think part of the problem with Levire for me is that there wasn't much of a trick. There was it was just aggression, and then I killed myself with blood debt. So wasn't <laughs> wasn't too much to write home about there. Um, but coming into finding Katsu, yes, a hundred percent. And uh, I think that kind of started my 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 journey there uh, to find uh, aggressive aggressive decks with tricks. And I too fell in love with some rune blades. Uh, I I found Briar from Tales. Uh, I piloted Viscerai, Viscerai during the Skeleton days. Right, we're talking about aggression and tricks. Right, uh, uh, Briar with Channel Mount Heroic uh, has you know has the same thing. Viscerai, Mordred Tide, Skeleta, uh, Rattlebones. Right, that my favorite types of plays at that point were. Right, <clears throat> breaking skeleton at instant speed, rattle, you know, a rattle bones for free. That's something unexpected. You can get something. You can get janky lines that other people wouldn't wouldn't expect. Um, you know, going there. And um, most recently, uh, I've enjoyed Phi. Phi for the short time though, it didn't really have much of a trick to uh, to him. It was very much a make the make the combat chain as long as possible <clears throat> add add your multipliers and see how quickly you can go home but as we've seen uh as recently as the calling singapore five five picked up some tricks so I'm, I'm right back into it okay so after we found uh, a deck that uh, has has spoken to us um I think the next step is is uh, kind of viability, right? It does does this deck work? Not every meta, uh, our favorite. Not every meta is appropriate for our favorite deck. So, um, <clears throat> what are what are one of the main things that you would you would check for to see if uh, your your preferred deck is is viable in this in a particular meta? I mean, the first place I'm checking is major tournament results to see kind of what the meta looks like and see if mm -hmm. if my if you know the my particular strategy jives with the meta if it's viable within whatever is going on in that meta yeah <clears throat> um um so i feel like so usually that takes a few uh not just results right but even before then uh, there's there's a lot of testing that goes on uh, to to kind of judge it right. If we have a deck that we know or feel that it's good, um, kind of goes through a bit of a process there. I know uh, coming into coming into Everfest, I know myself and a few few of my cohorts were super excited about the Katsu cards that came with it, and so for most of February we were. We were on Katsu hard, right? We were, we were like even bigger than that. It's great. Everyone's going like Oldham just messes your whole day up. You can't even Kadachi off of Oldham, so why are you even running even bigger than that? But we're like, no, no, no. We promise it works. It's really, really good. Uh, they got these cards for it, and it's going to be really, really great. About three weeks into that, just before ProQuest Season 1, I believe it was, or maybe even going into ProQuest Season 1, um, <clears throat> turns out Katsu sucked, right? It was just, it just wasn't happening. My testing 
Uh, I think I faced a prism in in testing, and it was like it was aura prism, but uh, I ended the game down 38-0, something ridiculous like that. It just wasn't wasn't happening. It couldn't block couldn't block your addition. Couldn't stop auras. Couldn't couldn't pop auras fast enough to maintain tempo, and uh, and I had to we had to abandon ship. Um, and I ended up I ended up on viscerai after like just. Day, just days of silent contemplation, not even wanting to play any flesh and blood, and then coming out, uh, just trying a few things, and then I popped Skeleta for the first time, and I was like, huh, huh, <laughs> okay, all right, I can play this game again. This is great. I mean, I've definitely had moments where, like, even going into this pro tour, um, th- there was that inclination in the back of my mind that, like, what what if we were to try to run Icelander? Can we run Icelander? And um, up until a couple or maybe a week ago, we were actively toying with that idea, Um, but we hadn't hard committed to it. Ultimately, we've decided it's for the best that we don't do that, but there, you know, there's definitely been some toying with decks up until close to the end and and not being locked into our strategy right away like using um uh for me uh, my most recent example being actually phi post ban right uh, you you bring up uh you know asking the question right can my deck do x right um have you have you how far do you think experimentation goes into the kind of process here where uh you're asking a very specific question to get a very specific result of a deck and uh, seeing if that result equals into uh, either a win or a change in perspective when it comes to a deck have you have you have you been able to uh so right when phi came out uh, when the when the stubby hammers band came out, my question was, right, is Phi still good? Right, what can we do? What can we do with Phi before, uh, you know, what what can we do with Phi after after Stubbies is gone? Right, so going into going into testing there, right, I set up like three different scenarios, um, and I call them right. The sky is falling. Every when 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 Stubby's hammer Stubby hammers was was banned, right? The sky was falling on five players. This is what I called it. So I just kind of ran with it a bit. So I ended up creating three different variants of a deck for five. One was called the sky is not falling. What was that? It was it was everything that made the Stubby hammers list good minus the Stubby hammers, uh, and to see how that ran. And I that for me that was like head jab dot deck and it wasn't very exciting for me because like you said there's no there wasn't no there wasn't tricks to it so uh i think even in the beginning of Phi, before before the zoomer build there i was very much a mask momentum tiger stripe kind of guy trying to make that work um but um so we had the skies not falling right everything's everything's fine everything's normal find your spreading flames find your iron war and uh get your big turn off still try to pop off and see what happens and then I had the skies kind of falling. Maybe, maybe something, uh, maybe something is amiss uh, in the world of Phi. Uh, but I still want to maintain the core plan. So what do we do? We acknowledge that there's a bunch of weaknesses there, and uh, 
perhaps shore them up a little bit. And I think the big uh, thing there was adding um, <clears throat> for that variant we added, I think just simply snatches and then sink belows, right? I think that was, that was basically basically it. Why sink belows? Because we couldn't block for shit, right? So uh, Bravo killed us uh, and um, we were we were running out of things to do there and snatch represented, right? Something different and on hit, right? Which kind of sparked an even bigger idea there. Um, uh, which led us to the third variant, which is uh, which was the sky is uh, what did I call it? Uh, yeah, the sky is falling, right? Uh, completely different perspective, right? The the phi that we know it is dead. We have to start from scratch. Um, and what is what does scratch look like from there? Uh, and to to me, it looked like uh, relevant on hits and. Uh, and and big cards that did things a little differently. I wasn't a big fan of right head jab dot deck, so I ended up throwing in everything I think from like a scar for scars, ravenous rabbles, uh and uh the snatches to take the tempos. Um and eventually at some point even got the the E strikes in there, but it was, you know, can we do things a little differently with Phi? Um <laughs> this guy from the the list from calling Singapore here is basically like it's like 250 games of testing into uh into i think that kind of evolution of the deck so i feel like i'm kind of happy to see this deck uh, succeed because i do feel like i was kind of thinking towards it but um to that end right we try to and i think phi for me if i was going into pro tour lil right now it would be phi uh I think I can pilot it the best and um, I think I think worked on it hard enough to know that it's not it's it's not perfect, but it has a, enough good matchups for me to feel confident in a long day or a long weekend rather uh, of, of tournament tournament play. Yeah. And I I mean, for me, I. I'm not going to say exactly what I'm on because. Mm-hmm. Mind you, by I mean by the time this airs, where your enemies are listening, so yeah, we don't want to. Oh, well, I was gonna say by the time this airs, like the reality is, is it's probably too late for anybody to. Yeah, that, that's the that's the feather in the cap, right? Though, They're like ah, oh, Adam's coming. We got to tech against Adam. Like, oh, all right, yeah, let's tech against me. I'm I'm a big effing deal i don't i i have a hard time thinking anybody's teching against me for pro tour you never know i'm oh i'm constantly teching against you oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my every deck i got it's anti-atom but yeah without huh? without giving giving much away here um i'm just curious i guess i guess uh to approach it a different different way here you you have your uh you have your deck core philosophy right and hero here and there, you know there's a testing process that goes into honing that that list right I, I guess tell me a little bit about your your philosophy as you test to get get to your 80 cards here i mean for me it's to look at what are the what are the 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 
the hard matchups? Where do I need the help to help me overcome? Yeah, rough, rough matchups. Let's say, all right. Let's 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 walk it back a, a, a bit here. If you uh, if you're taking your your deck, uh, are you are you looking for more of like a flexible game plan, or do you feel like you're you're best served with uh, with one solid ex- executable game plan that needs somewhat support, or are you more of a I want to be able to transform uh, into into something different depending on the matchup. I mean, I, I, I do want some, I, I for sure want some amount of flexibility, um, being able to, and I think that's the beauty of CC even is being able to tailor your deck to each matchup is, uh, is a huge advantage versus just being stuck with whatever you put in your deck. That's it. That's all you've got. Is there, is there a certain spot where you, where you feel like, you know, right? We we talked about that. Maybe you, like you got to a point where you're like, yes, this is it. You, is there a particular moment there, or are you looking at like a body of work over time where uh, your your data says that this is the this is the deck for you, or is there a moment where you are like, yes, this is this is my deck. This is my this is my spear coming into the hills of France. Do the France have hills? Is it a hilly? Yeah, there, there's, there, there is some. Uh, yes. Yep. All right. There's some mountains and such and whatnot in in France. All right. Yes. So you're taking your your spear, your metaphorical spear, in eighty card constructed uh, deck into France. Uh, yeah. Which, which way? Which way does it usually flow for you? Are you more of a like kind of data driven? I've tested two hundred games and my percentage win rates are X, Y, and Z, and thus this is my deck here? Or is it more of a feel where you hit the eureka moment and go, yeah, man, this is this is the sauce? Um, I've always imagined that I'd be like data... I, I mean, I'm in a lot of ways, I'm still new to this process in the grand scheme of things. Um, I've, like playing competitively at this level is you know this this is my second pro tour um mm-hmm. and hey man that is a that is a shit ton of experience let me tell you that is much more you know what this guy has zero pro tours you have i you you break space and time trying to multiply that you can't multiply by zero it just ends up poorly <laughs> you, you have you've you've two you're gonna you're about to embark on your second pro tour that is that is some serious experience brother yeah and, and don't get me wrong like there was a lot a, a lot of of learning that came off of the first pro tour um and it, it's funny because like even based off the learning off of the the first pro tour do we feel like we've made the strides we hope to have made by this point by no means um but we're we're making strides and that's what counts um what i was gonna say is like you say you don't have any pro tours under your belt like that's i i I hear your point but you have years and years of, of tcg background that i don't have and that counts for something as well so just 
Um, where if we're to talk about my Eureka moment though, or where oh. it kind of locked in for me, I think it kind of came down to when the deck started feeling good. And there was a, like a, there was a, a kind of moment where we made some tweaks and I, I can't even tell you exactly all the tweaks we made in that moment. It was kind of just like an absent minded, this doesn't feel right. We're just going to try this, this, and this. And then all of a sudden it just started feeling a lot better. And that, that, that was actually probably only about a week and a half ago, huh? maybe less than that even. And all of a sudden it was like jamming games. Yeah, this feels good. And we're the, the, the win rate was coming up and we're like, okay, now at this point, I think we've got something we can work on and like, we can we can take into in in into the tourney, um, yeah. and even like in in like diverse matchups, like the sideboarding felt easy. Like the the eighty card shell seems to support different matchups, and that's kind of where I was like, yeah, I think maybe we've got what we need here to hopefully post some form of a result. So speaking of 80 cards in sideboarding, are you more of a, are you, are you a, do you, do you have a 60 card deck with a X card sideboard or are you a, I have a shell, I have a 45 card shell and I will bring in cards for a certain matchup kind of guy. Um, yeah, we're kind of operating on a shell right now where we are, it's probably a 40 or a 55 card shell where we're juggling some cards um, for key matchups. I've, I've found, especially lately, that that seems to be the best for myself as well. Uh, a call it, you know, 40 plus card core deck and uh, uh, not having to worry about removing cards one for one but knowing that you'll always have these cards with you and to say for this matchup i'm going to put in these six to twelve cards whatever it may be and your sideboard actually looks like uh i think at one point uh again with the with the phyllis that i was working on i think i had at one point a 27 card sideboard i think it ended up being which is like a ridiculously large number but um after a while one of the things is i realized i kept throwing in the same cards uh like there was like three cards i just kept throwing in uh to every matchup and i was like oh yeah i like i i separated these out to i thought i was gonna use them for something else and then they just kept coming in so my core did get bigger (laughs) if not just by three three or so cards but yeah, and I think sometimes people get caught up on like the you know there's so many tech cards that are coming in and out, and the reality at the end of the day is no, that card's just a main a main deck card. Yeah, I think a a lot of that has to do with um, uh, so I, I I had asked you about kind of a eureka moment, and I. Uh, there was one night of testing that was getting super frustrating and it was with a, 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 a 
West Coast, Best Coast veteran uh, Nathan Fortin. Um, who is he? Is he going to Lil? Yeah, yeah, he's going to be there. Okay, excellent. Um, you know, so putting in putting in a lot of games uh, against him and getting kind of just wrecked, uh, and you know, getting a little demoralized while trying to evolve this this Phi list. And um, actually, one of the Eureka moment for me came after losing pretty soundly to to his uh, to his deck there I, did i say what it was it was not kind of, if you see it in editing just cut out what it was but um you know uh, nate and i were playing uh hard most of the night and at the end we actually started just talking about uh, my deck right he, he had noticed some things and we were talking out what was kind of like pros and cons of my deck choices uh my card choices in the deck etc and um we actually had kind of a moment my moment was that lava lava vein loyalty for me is a terrible card i had not removed lava vein loyalty out of the deck yet and it was causing all sorts of issues because it just wasn't on a, like a huge draconic chain and uh uh it was just it was clogging my deck up. It was forcing me to to make some really unoptimal, uh, suboptimal plays. And um, removing that card was one of the catalysts for uh, getting the getting that deck into a smooth spot where I went, "Ooh, right, this is this feels good now." Um, and he had he had recommended putting in some just good uh, it was actually flame call awakening that, that we we put in but it it started a bigger chain where i changed 18 20 ish cards uh, to kind of fit a more aggressive synergistic theme and um it really it really set it off to where it is well where it was until the calling singapore now now i'll say my deck is very similar to what's what was at the calling singapore because it was kind of like you said it's like 250 games of testing into I've where I felt like I was going. So, uh, you know, now I'm on nine EBTTs as well. Um, but so you, you are, uh, <clears throat> as of right now, you're locked in. You feel good. I think so. Uh, I mean, Nathan and I were jamming some games today and the deck felt really strong. Um, we, we seem to be getting our, our wins across a myriad of fields. Uh, so I, I think, I, I mean, I, I, at this point, like at some point you just have to commit. Right. And I think, I think we're past that point now where we can really make changes. Uh, and of all the ways it could go, I, I think I'm, I feel better than I thought I would feel at this point. So I, I'm, I'm fairly confident, um, I mean, there's also the draft portion, though, and I think that helps as well. The the thought that I I only have to rely on the deck I'm bringing with me to some extent, uh, my draft prowess, and the deck I'm able to to build through that and pilot through that are also going to help get me there, hopefully. So uh, between the two of those things, yeah, we're 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 feeling okay. We're hopeful. Excellent. Now, last question. Have did you take out all your foils? <laughs> it's funny that you ask this. 
Yes, I actually did today. I in my nice. deck I had a uh, some copies of some uh I'm trying to like so into these questions the the reason I've been struggling with some of these questions is I don't want to give anything away. Yeah, yeah, and I, I yes. We are trying we're trying to inform the audience while not just dumping all the just the all the testing work out of that, but I still want to give something productive to that, which is also why we're using my Fi as an example, because now it's moot. Uh, because it's, it's it is uh, the the secrets out in it. It wasn't through me, and like I'm not taking credit for the calling by any means, but uh, my deck is now that deck, so I can talk about where I was before then. But that uh, that evolution, that eureka moment happened uh, while I was reading somebody else's uh, list uh, to to get it to where it is. And look, folks, it's insane. I'm just going to say it right now. It's an insane list. If you can get it going, it is just the nuttiest of, of just nuts. It just does weird, crazy things. Uh, it is... Fi is objectively a better ninja than Katsu. Katsu combo is better. Fi is a better ninja. Just saying it. Just saying it. Just putting it out there. Yeah, I, I I could be inclined to agree with that at this point. Like Fi is doing certain ninja things better than Katsu is doing them right now. Yep, I agree. Um, so watch out for watch out for Fi's. Watch out for dashes. Uh, the the meta seems to shift towards the uh flavor of the week or the month uh so i expect to see kind of a shift in representation there uh and it takes kind of a right we, it takes a good guardian player to show up and and do some real damage not that it's a pro tour everyone's going to be really really good there but i don't think i don't think it's in people's best interest to kind of like anti meta into something they're maybe not comfortable with but who knows? Maybe I'm talking about. Yeah, and I think as a fundamental for this pro tour, like playing what you know is very important. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right, Adam, you you've stuck you've stuck you've stuck through you've stuck with me. I appreciate it. <laughs> I want to I want to wish you the best of luck and the safest of travels, and uh, I will be I will be watching from afar and hope to catch you uh on on a stream here yeah uh it'd be pretty cool to end up on the um on a you know one of the big streams i uh, haven't had that opportunity yet so fingers crossed uh but just the the opportunity to be there and to uh participate in the uh pro tour in one literally one of my favorite places in the world like that on its own is is pretty special to me and I, I hope you get a chance to enjoy uh, enjoy the country outside of 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 playing the game here. So uh, make sure you take that time. Yeah, well, uh, we're we're certainly gonna try to. Excellent. All right, I will not hold you up any longer here. So uh, thank you everybody for joining us on this episode. You can find us on YouTube at the Combat Chain. Uh, podcast you can stream us uh audio wherever you stream your podcasts be that spotify uh 
iTunes, etc., etc. And on social media, you can find The Combat Chain on Twitter at The Combat Chain. You can find myself at Pat Smashgood. And you can find Adam at ProTorLil, but also at TCG. And uh, I think... As a little bonus tidbit, uh, if it you know if you're listening to this and you happen to be in Lil or in, uh, I completely forgot about this. I'm a terrible co-host. Yeah, uh, we're doing a little giveaway. Um, If you're there and you see me, come say hi. Uh, I'm giving away Harold promos, and the only catch is you have to ask for one in French. Now, does it have to be, uh, please, sir, may I have an angel, uh, herald of rebirth, or can it be something simpler here? What is, what is, what's the, yeah, what's the just, minimum here? Just some, like, broken, like, I'm not picky. Um, All right. Can, can you give us a little, little, uh, little example of something that, that would be, that would be good? I'm trying bla- to tell me to uh, <laughs> give me this trading card, you swine. Can you? What is what is that in French? Uh, give me this trading card, you swine. Uh, donnez-moi cette carte, vous cochon. There you go. Just like a simple, like s, like I don't know, like a est-ce que je peux avoir une carte or something like that. Can I just have a? car like I'm, I'm struggling on a translation for like exactly the 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 perfect way to say it but just like uh please can i have a promo or promo s'il vous plaît i don't know something like that ah there it is all right now i'm not gonna i'm not gonna repeat that so if you are uh there, there was a couple there at the end. If you want want some promos, I'd probably go there, go to towards that end of the phrases as opposed to uh, towards the beginning. But you have it there. So Harold Rebirth mean, asking Adam. Yeah, and I mean you're you're in France. Be resourceful. Like ask the locals. Like, hey, can you help me translate this? I mean, I don't know. Like. And Maybe don't ask the locals. I, you'll get heckled. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Find out. <laughs> take my camera. Take a picture, please. <laughs> my point is, uh, there are ways to like translate this. There, there's ways to figure it out. Uh, Google Translate, even like. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, uh, yep. You can catch. Uh, you can catch Herald of Rebirth extended art promos uh, with Adam in France, and um, and yeah, I think that is going to to do it. So it is time, Adam, to uh, get your poop in a group, keep your fecal colloquial, and uh, until until next week, we're closing, closing the combat, combat chain. chain. Fecal colloquial. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about that one for a bit today. (laughs) That's that's good. That's good. Thank you.